I invite you to stand as we turn to our sermon text this morning, which comes to us from the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And we'll be reading verses 14 through 23. Let us come, let us hear the word of our God. In Luke 22, beginning at verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. When the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with Him. Then He said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as you have given to us these words on this day, we pray through the power of your Spirit that you would not only apply these these words unto our hearts, but dear God, that you would... Continue to use these words through our week. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It is uh, interesting uh, in many ways that in a sermon series on baptism, uh, that we would have a sermon on the Lord's Supper. What does one have to do with the other? Aren't they completely different acts? The the act of baptism, of course, we we give to infants and to new believers. And the table, uh, according to the Word of God, is restricted uh, to those who have confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this this sign of, of covenant belonging... That, again, has replaced the circumcision of the Old Testament. Again, the thing that they signify being the same. This addition unto the kingdom of God. What does it have to teach us about this taking of the bread and of the cup? This this particular sign that we see the Lord Jesus here saying has replaced the Passover. What do they have to do with one another? Well, one of the things we've been focused on over uh, the last several weeks is improving our baptism. How we can use the means of God's grace to improve this covenant sign that has been placed upon us by the Holy Spirit. When we understand again the purpose of baptism and what it does then again we will see with with more clarity what exactly happens when we come to the table. It's again one of the the problems that we often have with the sacraments of the church 
is they become so rote, so normal, so ordinary, that they can lose their power, lose their meaning, lose any sense of why it is that the Lord Jesus Christ has replaced all of the Old Covenant festivals, all of the Old Covenant feasts, all of the signs of the Old Testament with these two sacraments, with baptism and the Lord's Supper. One of the things, again, we need to understand about the sacraments, uh, both baptism and the Lord's Supper, is again what they do. Again, we testify and confess that these are not mere memorials. These are not just kind of remembrances of something that happened in the past. We're not to think of baptism or the Lord's Supper as an event where we just recall things that happened in the past. For instance, the taking of the Lord's Supper is not like you know, uh, this, you know, having a 4th of July celebration where we remember the work that was done on July 4th, 1776 or the war that followed or the things that though, that, that event you know, celebrates. That there's an actual spiritual benefit to coming to the table. And we see this in the words of the Apostle Paul as he uh, gives the words of institution in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He warns the people at Corinth that if they do not take the body rightly, that they will fall asleep. Think about what that means for a moment. Paul is telling the Corinthian church that if you treat this as a common thing, as something that we have to do because that's what Christians do, then damage will come to your soul. Damage will come to your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will be made weak by these things. In fact, Paul, uh, by saying that many have fallen asleep, is saying that some have actually died from uh, their wasting of this opportunity, of their misusing the elements of the table. Of course, in Corinth, the problem was is that the people were using the Lord's table as a time not only to be gluttonous, but also to get drunk. And of course, that tells us the elements that were used at Corinth. You know, that they were bread and wine. And the people there, as they were taking these things, were, were, were using the Lord's uh, table, again, not only as a time to engorge themselves, but also to intentionally forget what it is that the Lord's table represented. And that's why Paul has to remind them of this thing, these things. And he says there in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. You see, there, there, there's something that happens here that can't happen and does not happen anywhere else in the life of the church. That's why our forefathers in the faith had these services built around the table. Our forefathers in Scotland, and when they came to the colonies, would have these days of feasting, of thanksgiving, and of mortification, of repentance. 
before coming to the table. They would have these, what they called communion seasons. And they would meet on Thursday evening for worship. And uh, the, the minister would uh, preach unto them and remind them of what the Lord's table meant. That not only were they, again, testifying and proclaiming the Lord's death till He comes, but also what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.16, the, the cup of blessing which we bless, is this not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? That there is again a real spiritual act that happens unto us when we eat the bread and we drink the cup. That not only, again, in a negative sense, are we doing damage to our bodies, you know, in a sense, taking spiritual poison uh, by not discerning the body and blood of the Lord, but on the positive side, we are again communing with the Lord Jesus Christ at the table. That we are receiving, again, His grace through this table. That we are being strengthened through this table, again, in this spiritual way. Again, that's, that, that's something that, again, our forefathers took so seriously. Again, that they had these, the, the, the season around the table. Again, like I said, on Thursday, they would gather together. They would rejoice at the good news of the gospel found in the table. On Friday night, they would have another service of thanksgiving for the way in which the table that Christ had established for them uh, was strengthening them. Again, through the spiritual work of uh, this uh, element and through uh, this sacrament. Then on Friday night, they would have, or on Saturday night, they would have a service of repentance. They would have a service where uh, they uh, would receive you know, not only a sermon on repentance, but there would be actual you know, verbal repentance from the congregation. It would take different forms, but usually it would involve uh, the members of the church confessing their sins to one another. Uh, confessing their sins before the Lord. And again, the idea of this was not kind of to be lurid. The idea wasn't to create gossip fodder. The idea was that these brothers and sisters loved each other enough. That these brothers and sisters loved one another as Christ had loved the church. That they, again, were honest with one another. In confessing their sins before one another so that they could, again, pray for one another. And we, we, we see in the, the, this way uh, that they had gone about this. Again, not only the seriousness which with they took the supper, but again, their understanding of the communion that happens at the table. And this is, you know, this is one of the things that, that we've really lost sight of in the table. You know, this is something that our, our culture, especially in the 21st century, has lost great sight of. You know, we have very much imbibed the spirit of the world. You know, and see ourselves as individuals. See ourselves who are gathered together in order again to gain you know, something for ourselves. Again, we've individualized not only the supper, but the church itself. Again, that's the, that's the spirit of the age we live in. You know, the, everything we see on the television, in movies, on the internet, everywhere, is focused upon number one. 
Focused upon what you can do for yourself. How you can do this X, Y, or Z. And that's not new. Again, that was the great problem of Israel. Again, they forgot these things that God had done for them and began to be what? Kings unto themselves. It tells us in the book of Judges. Likewise, in the days of the kings of Israel, they continued in the sins of their father Jeroboam. And not only that, but what did the kings of Israel do? They created new sins to, to commit against the Lord. And again, all of that came from the fact that what had they forsaken? What had they forgotten to do? What had they not done for hundreds of years? Well, we're told when Ezra and Nehemiah reestablished the temple in Jerusalem for the first time in centuries, the people of God had celebrated the Passover. For the first time in centuries, the people of God had gathered in their households to engage in this work. And again, it's worthwhile in our, our passage this morning to think about what Jesus is doing here. Again, why is He instituting the Lord's Supper? Again, it's obviously tied into Passover. And there's the obvious elements of Passover which, which work well with the Gospel. You know, the idea that through the shed blood of the Lamb, spread on the doorframe, that the angel of the Lord would pass over that house. Again, there had to be a substitute for them. Of course, that's what we believe the Gospel to teach, that Jesus Christ is that Lamb, that He is that substitute, that He is the One whose blood has been shed for our sins. Again, the wrath of God that is due unto us for our transgressions have been placed upon our Savior, our Redeemer at the cross. And through His death, we have been saved. And so we, we, we drink... The, the cup and we eat the bread, that's what we are remembering. Again, what uh, Paul says there in 1 Corinthians, the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ. Is it not the bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Again, these elements of the Passover, they, again, in God's providence and God's purposes, you know, perfectly tie in with what we see here in the Lord's Supper. But again, notice something else Jesus does. In verse 14, he says there, When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. One of the things that's important to see in what Jesus is doing here is what we see in the establishment of the Passover itself. One of the things that, that was supposed to take place during the Passover meal was the father, the head of the household, was to gather the children, gather all the members of the household together. And he was to say to them, and you should tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me. When I came up from Egypt. And we see here in this testimony, what is Jesus telling the disciples in the Passover? 
Again, he's telling them these exact things. And you should tell your son in that day saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. Again, what had the Lord done for the disciples? What had the Lord done for His people? Had He not done this? Had He not been the Passover? Had He not been the sacrifice? that not only enabled, but actually brought His people out of bondage to sin. Bondage to the power of sin. Again, we go back to, to again to that, that illustration of what our forefathers did on, on Saturday nights as they prepared to come to the table, as they communed together with their brothers and sisters in Christ, as they confessed their sins. One of the things the, the minister, or the pastor was supposed to do during that time uh, was as these men and women were confessing their sins for the Lord, He was supposed to, again, give them a sign of blessing. And what was that sign of blessing? Well, it was these words of assurance. We see Jesus say to the disciples here in the institution of the Lord's Supper, again, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And likewise, with the cup, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Well, what in the world is Jesus talking about here? Well, when is the Passover fulfilled? Again, the Passover is fulfilled when the death takes place. When the people are, are, are protected, when they are saved from the wrath of God. But it's not only then that the Passover is fulfilled. Again, God doesn't leave them in Egypt and say, good luck getting to Palestine. I hope you know the way. That's not how the Passover ends, does it not? It ends with the people being released from bondage. But not only that, what else do they receive? Again, they receive the wealth of Egypt. They receive... Uh, these, these things, and then they are given these things so that they can survive that particular trek to Israel. And so the Passover meal, as it's being taken, again, it's meant to illustrate for the disciples that this same thing is happening to the Lord Jesus Christ. That He's not leaving them at the cross. But that Jesus Christ is with them through the empty tomb. That Jesus Christ is with them in His ascension unto heaven. And that Jesus Christ is with them when they take the supper of the table. You think back once more to this this statement in 1 Corinthians 10.16 again. When we are taking the bread, we are communing with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are really and truly spiritually... uh, having the Lord our God dwell within us in the taking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. This is one of the reasons why this is not a mere memorial. There is something that actually happens to us in the midst of the table. And this is why our forefathers took such care in the taking of the supper. Of course, one of the things we usually think of when we think of their taking the supper is that they would hand out communion tokens. Right, the elders of the church in the, week, uh, in the weeks coming before the season would go to each individual house. They would meet with the father, with the head of the household. The elders would sit with them. They would hear of the Lord's work in their lives. And then, upon hearing, again, not only a, a, a proper confession of faith, but a heartfelt 
confession of faith, then they would give these tokens to uh, the, uh, the, the communing members of the household. You know, those who had, who, had, who had confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when the supper was taken, of course, the elders would collect these tokens as the people came into the house. And of course, in our minds, you know, our first response normally is, is, well, that's kind of mean. You know, who are these elders to think that they have this ability to do these things? But again, remember, what was the attitude of this work? Again, the attitude of this work was one of shepherding. It was one of protection. It was one of making sure that people were not harming themselves. And that was the point of the tokens. Again, it was not to lord authority over others. But it was, again, to watch over the souls that they had been given uh, the responsibility to see uh, were taken care of. Again, because if we truly believe, as the Scriptures teach, that Christ is present in this meal, that Christ is present in uh, the, uh, the bread and in the, in the cup, and if we believe what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, then it's our duty to protect, especially those of weak uh, conscience, uh, from, again, doing this damage to themselves. Again, it's one of the reasons why we don't allow children uh, who have not confessed faith in Christ, who have not become communing members of the church, to take at the table. Because they're not old enough to understand these things. And that, that, again, this is one of these things that we do, not because we're mean, not because we're killjoys who don't want people to do things, but because, again, God has given uh, not only the elders, but myself this, this, this role in His kingdom to protect the sheep. Again, this is totally countercultural to the way our world thinks and acts in this day. You know, we, we, we kind of live in this world where anybody who tells you no is automatically a bad guy. Right? He, he, he's stopping you from doing something fun or doing something you want to do. This whole idea of shepherding, again, is something that we, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, need uh, to not only see in its biblical way, but also need to understand, again, its importance in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, again, one of the things that Jesus is teaching the disciples in the midst of this passage. And as he, He's speaking of them, He says in verse, 18, or verse 19, And He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave to them, saying, This is My body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Likewise, He also took the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer was with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes, it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And of course, this, these are the words that have divided the church for centuries. What does it mean here when Jesus says, This is my body? Or, This is my blood? And what does that is mean? Of course, we are not too far away from a time in our own kind of nation's history where there was a lot of talk about what is is. But what is is in this passage? Again, when it says here that this is His body, it either is His physical body, as the Roman Catholics believe, that the bread and the wine physically change their substance and become the actual flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ? 
And the blood actually becomes the shed blood of, uh, of the Lord Jesus. And again, that's why uh, that only the priest uh, can, and those assigned to him, uh, can take the supper after it has been given. Because once it's been changed, it can't be just used as a common meal. Because it, again, according to their mindset, it actually is the body and blood. And so, just as you wouldn't treat the body and blood of your friend or your neighbor in, a, in kind of a nonchalant way, you know, of course you wouldn't treat the body of Christ in that way. Again, that's not what we understand is happening at the table. Again, we understand because of our union with the Lord Jesus Christ, because of this spiritual reality that has happened to us, and our being made partakers of uh, the reality of our Lord Jesus, that when we take the bread and we take the cup, that we are communing in the spiritual life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, we're also, again, partaking of His body and of His blood. And again, how are we doing that, again, if we're not taking the actual body and blood? Well, again, what we're doing is we're gaining, again, the benefits of the sacrifice. We are gaining through His shed blood, through His broken body, not only the benefits of salvation, uh, but uh, the grace that comes with it. And that's why this ties into our baptism. This is why it ties in into improving our baptism. Because if we neglect the table, we are neglecting our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we put the things of the world before the table, then we are saying that the world is more important than the communion that we have with Christ. And that's why we have to take seriously this table. Because again, as Paul says there, again, we are declaring to the world the Lord's death. We are declaring to the world that our faith and our trust is in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That we not only benefit spiritually at this moment from it, but that we continue to benefit from the body and blood of our Lord through this table that Christ has established for His church. That's why one of the words we often use around the table is nourishing. And you think of what that word means, to nourish someone. And one, of the, one of the things that, that the American army ran into at the end of the Second World War was is that when they were liberating the camps in, uh, in Germany and in Poland, you know, the, these, these Jews who haven't had a real meal for years, uh, they started giving them their MREs and their, 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 their processed food, and, and, and the Jews began to die from it. Again, because their bodies were not able to take again these meats, these these heavy foods that uh, that they had been denied. And when we think of the table, again, we need to think of it likewise. Again, what we're doing here again is being nourished by the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're being nourished by the grace that He has bestowed upon us. Again, if we do not partake of these things, then again, we are doing damage to our souls. We're doing damage to our, again, our, our, our own uh, strength in the Lord. And that's one of the reasons we often talk about not only the Word of God, 
But again, these elements, these sacraments that Christ has given. And Christ has given to us the table. He's given to us the bread and the wine for our benefit. Again, the Lord Jesus, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, have given to us this time that we can gather together, commune with one another, again, gain this benefit of the grace of God, declare to the world that we are nourished by the spiritual things, not by the material things, not by the things of the flesh. Because again, what happens to the material things of this world? The flower fades. The grass withers. But the Word of God stands forever. And again, the Word of God is again shown to us in the table. And it is in a a way, the most uh, direct way, that we see this blessing uh, through uh, the Lord's table. And again, the Lord Jesus Christ, as He is establishing this for His disciples, again, will want them to go from this place and do likewise. In the Great Commission, in, in Matthew 28, when the Lord Jesus tells them to go out into the nations and, and preach the good news of salvation and disciple men and women, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, well, what's one of the ways that we disciple? What's one of the ways uh, that we, through the command of Jesus Christ, again, are discipled? It's through His Word. And it's through the visible Word that we're given at the table. It's through the visible Word that we're given in baptism. Again, these, these sacraments, these visible signs of God's grace, these visible signs of the Gospel promise are to, be, are to be loved by the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're to be protected by the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are to be uh, not only observed with certainty and with assurance and with that same uh, kind of uh, direction... But again, we as weak sinners, we as those who are uh, are broken vessels, we who cannot, again, deal with the trials of this world by ourselves. And we need this table. We need these elements. We need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need these things. So brothers and sisters, let us not forsake this table. Let us not forget in what happens at this table. And let us see not only the breaking of the bread, let us not only see the pouring of the cup for the remission of sins, let us see the communion that we share through our Savior. Let us see in how we are nourished through the blood of the Lamb, through His body broken for sin. And let us receive it by faith by trust, and by looking on to our Heavenly Father, who has loved us in sending His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, shall have eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks again that You are our God and that we are Your people. And that just as You gave uh, these festivals and feasts to our uh, forefathers in the faith in the Old Testament, to show forth the coming of the Lord Jesus to God through uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Your Son. You've given to us uh, not only baptism, but this table that we might see in the bread and in the wine 
in the cup that you've given to us, that you have given to us. It's a glorious testimony that we might be nourished by it through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.